pulled out his electric nose clipper and I was like clipping my nose like I don't know why I just don't want to stand in front of everybody and like have this big booger or something and so I was like laughing at myself this morning of the things that go through your head when you're getting ready to stand in front of people but anyways that wasn't in my script but I just thought I'd tell you that story. Um, yes, it's very helpful. You'll notice on your handout that Jason wrote down um, that I was the title that he has given me. It says Tooth Teller. Um, not Truth Teller, but Tooth Teller. And that was kind of the result of Jason and I kind of being really, really nerdy. Um, we had this moment of mighty cheeseball fearlessness, and we decided, yeah, let's use the word Tooth Teller um, instead of Truth Teller because I am a dentist. Um, one thing that you should know about me, though, is that I'm kind of a nerdy kind of dentist, and I, I recognize that most people think all dentists are nerds, but I'm especially nerdy. I'm one of those dentists that only does root canals. Um, every day I work, all I do is root canals. So it means I don't do crowns, I don't do fillings, I don't do bridges, I don't do cleanings. I just do root canals all day long. And uh, so, you know, I have kind of the honor and the privilege to be able to care for someone who might be having um, one of the worst kinds of pain that you can have in your body, which is dental pain. So anyone who's had that experience, you know how important it is to get into somewhere where they can take care of you. Um, and it sounds probably like a job that someone really dis like disturbed would sign up for. Um, and I do acknowledge that I'm kind of a weird person, but I did go into my profession because I really do care about taking care of people. Um, so I am passionate about my job, but I'm also very passionate about Jesus. And so I'm super pumped to be able to have um, the chance to do um, this today. Jason made the bold move of letting me come and talk on our next chapter in Ecclesiastes. Um, and it's really, God's really done a lot in my own heart as I've prepared, which I think makes it even more special to be able to talk to all of you today about it. Um, you know, this series in Ecclesiastes, we're um, going through the book of Ecclesiastes, it's presented with some real content to wrestle with. Um, I think a lot of it's really gnarly. It's got a lot of just real-life grittiness to it. Um, I mean, Jason, he's... Um, been giving us these take-home questions to evaluate um, and using that kind of pro-apt format, which those, those forms, there's one up here, one in the very front, and there's one somewhere else. I can't remember where he said. There's a couple of those form, forms around, but what that format does is it gives us the opportunity to just dive deeper into this scripture and just invite Jesus into the process. And, um, you know, I was thinking through the kind of the setting that Jason has set for us and thinking through, okay, what's going on with Ecclesiastes? We have Solomon. He's a king. He's at the end of his years of life, and he's looking back at his whole story and thinking, um, thinking, man, I just, it's all meaningless. There's just nothing that I can look back at and say that it counted. And, um, you know, I think Jason, he, he kind of gave us a few questions to consider last week as we were thinking through the seasons of life part of the process. Jason gave us two take-home items to think about. The first one was assess what is meaningful, and the second one is what are you measuring? And I really appreciate that those two questions, those things to consider. In my own life over the last two years, I've really kind of dissected through my life and tried to figure out with Jesus okay, what counts? What counts in your book? Because those are the things I want to make sure I'm kind of structuring my life to look like. But when we look at Ecclesiastes 4, it made me consider another part of life that I think Solomon was evaluating. I think he was in a real battle of the heart in regards to worth. W-O-R-T-H, worth. The title of my talk today is Worth It. When we think of worth, we can think of, you know, it kind of relates to having value. Um, but unlike the materialistic worth of an object, like a dime is worth 10 cents, putting value on our life, thinking about where we're spending ourselves, wondering if we are enough, well, that's 
that's a grittier version of worth to tackle. We're going to go right into the beginning of Ecclesiastes 4. The first one-third of that scripture, it reads as this. Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I decided that the dead who already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. You know, we've acknowledged in our previous weeks of looking at Ecclesiastes, how Solomon lived a life of a lot of play. He played a lot. He had a lot of fun. And he's even confessed that um, a lot of the things that he did with his life was a waste, that they were foolish. But I think in Ecclesiastes 4, Solomon's looking back at his years as a ruler, all of his accomplishments, the work that he's done, the challenges that he's had to face, trying to make justified decisions as a king. And he's recalling probably many sleepless nights where there's these heavy burdens that are on his shoulders, and he just can't kind of, he's thinking through how much sleep he's just even lost and thinking through the responsibilities that he kind of had to deal with every day. He tried to do right. He tried to end evil in his kingdom, making laws and implementing them. And I can only imagine how helpless it would feel to invest your life trying to run a kingdom, only to realize that all of the evil still exists and all of the innocent are still oppressed. And in a defeated state, he realizes he tried to prove himself a worthy king, probably tried to prove himself better than other kings before him, and maybe he even had a sense of envy or... um, sense of wanting to prove himself in comparison to his own father. But here he sets, looking over all the areas that he's invested his life, and he's questioning why. Was it worth it? He's brokenhearted and is being pretty real in his brokenness. I think each of us in this room can probably relate to a season in our life where we've had that, that Ecclesiastes experience, maybe in one way or another, um, recalling um, a season, and maybe some of us are even in that season right now, where we feel that brokenness, that regret, that sorrow, and that loss. And I would guess that most of us in these moments <clears throat> will look back and Ask God, why God? Why did I have to go through it? Was it worth it? Is it possible, though, that in writing Ecclesiastes, that Solomon was searching for a way to reinstall worth back into his story? And I mean, if everything we do is without meaning, then why go through the effort of writing all of this, this stuff down? Why try teaching on the meaninglessness of life if it's really just all meaningless? I wonder if while Solomon wrote down his confessions, his regrets, and his sorrows, if maybe he hoped his story would really guide others. And maybe his story could give warning to his readers, a warning that kind of wakes us up, makes us reevaluate our priorities, and more importantly, kind of redirects us so we can find worth in our life and our stories again. And I think it's our great opportunity today to ask that question, to ask the question of how am I investing my life? Is it worth it? And that's the first fill in the blank in your handout. How am I investing my life? Is it worth it? And what follows that um, first fill in the blank is the next one, which is life investments to consider. And there's a list of different investments that we can look at when we're kind of trying to assess if we're kind of living our life in a way that we can say, yeah, it's worth it. 
um, resources, our schedule. I think that thinking about those are kind of the obvious things that we look at when we're trying to evaluate how we're investing our life. But then kind of breaking in deeper and looking at the work that we do, um, the effort that we're putting into things, our relationships. And one thing that really made me kind of think a little bit when I was thinking about Solomon's story was worry. How many nights do we stay awake worrying about things, and what are those things in regards to? What are we worrying about? And that, I think, allows for us to really kind of evaluate what we're investing ourselves into, where our creativity, our energy goes to, and then our prayer life. What do we focus our prayers in on? These are all life investments. These are the things that when taken to Jesus, we can honestly kind of review them and we have a better heartbeat on discovering the answer to the question and the the question that Solomon leads us to, which is, is it worth it? I think it's also interesting to look, um, if we read on in Ecclesiastes 4, now besides the love chapter, which the love chapter in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 13, And that's the one that talks about love is patient, love is kind, love never fails. Besides that scripture, Ecclesiastes 4 is probably one of the top scriptures used in wedding ceremonies. And here's how it reads towards the last one-third of the scripture. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So Sven and I, well, Sven's my husband. He's the hairiest man in the room, I would guess. Um, I'm pretty sure that in our wedding ceremony, we've been married for 19 years. So I think that this is probably a scripture that was in our wedding ceremony. I really don't remember from 19 years ago. I just don't. Um, But if it was, I don't think it should have been used in our wedding ceremony. And this is why. The part that talks about if two lie down together, they will keep warm. You see, Sven and I are exact opposites in the bedroom. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about what you think I'm going to talk about. (laughs) But we are exact opposites in the bedroom. Um, What I mean by this is Sven likes to keep our bedroom as cold as possible. And so in the middle of winter, my husband's the guy walking around in shorts in the middle of snowmageddon. And he will kind of just be laying in bed all sprawled out and he's doing his thing. On my side, I'm trying to keep myself warm because I have my beanie on, I have a sweatshirt on, sweatpants on, my winter socks on. I'm in a sleeping bag zipped up and then I have our comforter and covers on top. So all you can see of me when we're sleeping is this. And I don't move because I'm not going to get out of my cold spot. But Sven is over on the other side of the bed. He's sprawled out in a full star formation. He's half naked and he does not want any one of his limbs to touch the other part because then his sticky parts might touch each other and we have this like fan that's blowing on us and about half the time he is opening the window and so no I take issue with that scripture being used in wedding ceremonies I do, however, enjoy this scripture for life. One question that Sven and I, we've really kind of dug into when we read through scripture is we like to ask this question. We like to say, Jesus, what are you inviting me into? We ask this because God is a God that invites. And this is always, there's always an invitation in everything we're looking at with God towards growth and our healing and our relationship with him. Um, I like how this portion of Ecclesiastes 4 is giving us an invitation. It's inviting us into community. And the next fill in the blank that's on our handout is, I am invited into community. Two are better than one. One can help the other. Two can defend a cord of three. 
You know, and community can mean a lot of different things um, to each of us. And I want to be clear here. When I, when I say invited into community, I'm not talking about our participation and contributions to society. I mean, yes, in many ways, our relational approach in community can inspire our participation um, and our role within the greater society. But the community that I believe Solomon is going after here that I really want to emphasize is the community that is our village, our people, our tribe, our own arms extended family. And I know in my life, I've had some really inspiring and some amazingly encouraging community moments. But I've also had some very non-inspiring and non-encouraging community moments. It's not, um, it's not always easy to do community. Um, and if we're honest, we have, we've all had these rough moments um, in trying to share life with others. Um, I'd say that there often does come these challenges, and at times, sometimes there is heartbreak in community. I know that very often I learn how to be imperfect in community. And I most certainly would admit that I have had to learn humility in community. And those are kind of rough things to sign up for. But what we have to remember is that community together is a choice like all of the gifts that God offers us. Any one of us can go climb a mountain and we can go look at God's creation and uh, we can just set up on this mountain all by ourselves. We can open our Bible and we can dig into scripture and we can um, really kind of grow in our meditation and prayerful, prayerfulness and probably grow in really cool ways in our personal relationship with Jesus. Um, but then put us in society, give us some human interaction and then all of a sudden the realness, the messiness, the imperfectness, um, it's all kind of exposed. And so sometimes I think, why community? What's the point? Is it worth it? Recently, Sven and I, um, we just had the opportunity to have kind of a cool community moment. We um, hosted a birthday party for our son, Tenzin. Tenzin is our eight-year-old. He just turned eight. We also have a daughter. Her name is Vesper. She's um, five. Um, but we had this cool opportunity to have a birthday party um, for Tenzin. So we had this little shindig down at the lake, invited some of our family friends in the community here. And I had one of those movie moments, you know, those moments where they kind of like, they show the main character and that person's like having this beautiful moment where they just see like all this beautiful meaning happening in their life. I was totally having that moment where I just looked back and God just like warmed my heart and made me kind of reflect on my story in community. Um, Sven and I, we moved our family out here to Sudden Valley two years ago from Colorado. And um, when we arrived here, I think really to be honest, we were very raw with heartbreak from our previous community moments. Um, and so we got here and we really just needed to be a family of four. We needed our cord of four strands to just just really be able to spend time with one another. Um, we needed that togetherness, and we needed just a lot of love and the healing power of Jesus. But it was so wild, though, to come into this community because there was so much love here. I remember our first few visits to um, CTK Sudden Valley, and we got so many just invitations for, for dinner and opportunities to hang out. It kind of blew my mind. I was so amazed at the love. Um, and yet, I really was not in a place where I could fully receive it. I was still in this place of asking God, why, God? Why did I have to go through it? Was it worth it? And so the thing about Jesus that I've learned in my story is that he will not let us stay stuck where we are because Jesus just knows that he has a best for us. And so with the promptings of Jesus, Finn and I have kind of reluctantly um, over this last two years started to say yes to community again um, and kind of uh, just allowed God to 
um, start to work within us. And I, I've really been trying to pay attention to that lately, especially as I was preparing for speaking, and I just wanted to pay attention to what God's done. And I recently realized that what I get to see now is I get to watch my kids making some of the best friends, the, the, the kind of the coolest best friends that they've ever had in their lives. I'm watching the beginning of this best friend relationship take place. And for my husband, I think for Sven, if I may, I'm seeing this freedom that's coming over him. And it's a freedom that for a while I thought maybe we lost. But it's a freedom and a smile that I see over his heart as he begins to worship with others again. And then for me, as my walls come down, I've realized that I am not designed for isolation. And that's the next fill in the blank on our handouts. Because that statement, I am not designed for isolation, is not just for me. It's for every person in this room. I've realized that underneath my very strong attempts to try to avoid community, underneath the fear, the anxiety, and the hurt, that really there's this longing that's in me. And there's this longing that I've been looking for where I realized I want to love again and I want to laugh again. I want to have a broken day and I want to be able to break down and I want to know that I have community that I can cry with. I want to have people that I can enjoy life with, that I can eat dinner together, that we can share stories with one another. I really long for this thing that Solomon is emphasizing, this togetherness and this connection. Last week, Jesus, um, sorry, not Jesus, well, Jesus and Jason. Last week, Jason reminded us while speaking on the seasons of life that we are called to do life in community. He pointed out that God has designed us this way. God planted this longing within us that is specifically designed to be fulfilled as we experience relationship with others. And when we are willing to take risk and do life with others, we become intertwined in this tapestry of God, and something very strong is created. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Solomon's story, I think, points us towards a life fulfilled with Jesus. But I think the surprise in reading Ecclesiastes 4 is that Solomon directs us towards a life lived out in God's community, too. We're going to show you a photo here. Ah, there it is. Um, And as you admire all these beautiful faces, I um, am going to pass out two baskets. Um, So if you could take one and then just kind of pass them around. I'll start them. Yeah, sorry, I probably should have three baskets, huh? So if you could each take out, I think we have enough for two bracelets each. If we don't, then we'll we'll make up for it at the end. Um, But if everyone could take out two bracelets... um, And try to kind of pick quickly. I know there's a lot of fun colors, but they're all adjustable, and they have different sizes and shapes to them. Um, And so I think that just kind of pick your two, and then you can put them on your wrist. Yeah, all the kids are getting them downstairs. Nope, you don't need to get your kids. They're all getting theirs downstairs right now, too. Um, Okay, so the God's Girls picture. This photo was taken just two weeks, about two weeks ago, at the God's Girls group. Our God's Girls group here is a group of fourth and fifth graders that get together on Thursday afternoons. If you have a girl um, in that age group who's not plugged in, let us know. We'd love to get her plugged in. But what these girls um, are doing is, you know, they're, they're on quite the adventure. These ladies are all within a year of entering into middle school. 
Now, I'm not sure what middle school was like for everyone in this room, but I know my experience, I was most certainly questioning my worth, and I most certainly faced some interesting questions in regards to community. Um, this group of young ladies, they're just really being blessed with an opportunity in God's girls to really evaluate who they are in Jesus. And um, I think this space to just be real and to have a safe spot to talk about God and life, um, it's some of the most powerful community and worth-building opportunities that we can offer these young ladies. They recently were discussing um, the opportunities to serve others, to give of themselves as Jesus teaches. And um, so one project they took on was making all of these bracelets that are being passed out right now. Um, so I thought, well, I'll give them all this paracord, and maybe they'll make like 50% of what I needed. And they ended up making a total of 240 bracelets. And so they had enough for all of us to have them, and everyone downstairs gets them today. We all, we all, get, we all are part of this community that gets these cool paracord bracelets today. Um, and not only did they make all of these, in this photo you will see that they have their hands kind of reached out, touching the bracelets. And that's because every single one of these ladies was offered the opportunity to pray a prayer over whoever receives these bracelets. And what I was told is that every single one of them said yes to using their voice to pray out loud a blessing over the bracelets. And I think that's such a gift. Um, that takes us to the next point in our handout, which is, a question. Um, if we are digging into what's worth it and not worth it in our lives, we have to first have this assuredness to one of the biggest questions that every person in this room has asked at some point. And that question is, am I worth it? So we have this opportunity to take away one, hopefully two, of these bracelets. Each bracelet is to remind you of your worth. The next um, fill in the blank will read like this. My worth cannot be earned. I already have it. It was a free gift at the cross. The first circle of paracord reminds us that Jesus defeated death. He made the ultimate sacrifice because God loves us and calls us worthy. There's not a heart in this room, there's not a person in this room that God doesn't want. He has planted purpose in each one of us. And he's poured worth out on top of us like a big bucket of permanent ink. I like to think about worth like the most beautiful tattoo that is just tattooed over our entire being. I think that's a really beautiful picture of it. It is permanent. And the thing about it is not going away. We didn't earn it, and we can't lose it when we, when we have Jesus. The second bracelet is symbolic of how endless our worth is. I've been given worth in abundance to live a generous life with others. That's our final fill in the blank. I have been given worth in abundance to live a generous life with others. It's much easier to discover that we're capable of loving when we have someone in our life to love. And similarly, Jesus teaches us that we can tangibly live out the worth given to us when we pour that worth out to help others. He painted us with worth so that we can help others see their own beautiful design. The last scripture that I have here is um, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, we, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways, they never run out and they never wear out. 
This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way, producing with this great praise to God. When we live knowing that he has made us enough, that he calls us worthy, and when we have that arms extended life where we take the hand of the people that God places in our life, that's how we worship God with our lives. And so these strands that we've put on around our wrists, these cords... They are symbolic of this worth journey. You may want to keep them for you, or you may want to give them to somebody. Um, if like, there's somebody on your heart that you're excited about sharing, how you care about them, how you think they have worth, how they are of value to your life, you most certainly can do that. But let the conversation of today just be that seed, that seed that allows us to really reevaluate where we're investing ourselves and where we are at in our worth journey with God. And so as each of you have put on your bracelets, I pray and hope your heart's blessed just as God's girls prayed over you. I'd like to honor the gifts that these ladies gave us um, today. By I'd like to take a picture of all of us. And so what I'm hoping is that we will all have our bracelets on our hands because we're talking about worth and community. I'd love for us to actually hold hands. I'm sorry, it's cheese ball, but it's going to be really cool. And then I'd like for us to kind of like champions hold our hands up like this. I'm going to snap a picture. And so just like these ladies, which we can't see right now, but just like we have got to celebrate their picture, I want them to be able, in their group, be able to look at how they blessed us as a community. So stand up. And then try to find a way to grab someone's hand. Oh, wow. Okay. Everybody ready? One, two, and three. Okay, we did it. Woo! All right. So if the worship band wants to come up, worship team. All right. Price, if you guys want to come up, we'll get there. Um, So I just want to pray real quickly, and then um, we'll let the worship team lead us through the last few minutes of service here. Um, i just like to say it's really an honor and a pleasure to be able to just kind of share parts of this with you. This um, worth journey that I got to talk about today has been a really big part of just me discovering who I am in God. And so I feel like it's, for me, it's a life message that I... Um, I really care a lot about to be able to share with others too. So thanks for letting me try that out today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this morning, Lord. And Father, I just pray that in this moment that we would just really recognize your presence. Lord, that we would acknowledge that your spirit is just here hanging out with us, Lord. I pray for walls to come down. I pray for insecurities to flee. And Jesus, I just ask that you would soften us right now to just receive the invitation that you have for us. Jesus, I know that in every moment there's an opportunity for us to say yes to something you're inviting us to. Would you just bring clarity to our hearts of those things in our life, Father, that you are inviting us into? 
Jesus, thank you for being our safe place. Thank you for being our refuge. Thank you for how you heal and how you restore. And Jesus, we praise your name and how in every empty place you can bring fullness and in how every dark spot you can shine a light. And so, Jesus, I just pray that wherever each of us are today, that we would just open our hands and surrender the battle and just allow for you to reinstall that worth in our story and our life. We thank you for the great opportunity to be able to just have you as our friend and as our guide. And Jesus, we just ask you to lead the way today. Just thank you for the great honor and the pleasure to be able to be in community with one another. Jesus, I pray that you would just pull in the strings of our heart in regards to where we can say yes to just pouring out our story of worth into the lives of others. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to be a voice that speaks out to others. There are so many that only know the word worthless in their life. And Jesus, we want to, re, we want to allow for them to understand your truth. Jesus, you have worth and you have given worth to each of your children, and we are so excited about that. Thank you for this great gift, and thank you for this morning and all that you have given us, and we just anticipate your goodness in the remainder of this day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.